Happy Christmas to you all. Our readings uh, this morning are taken from Luke chapter 2 and John chapter 1, and I'm reading from the New International Version. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to tell to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which are just as they had been told. And from John chapter 1 and verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And this is God's precious word. Well, uh, if you're, you're visiting with us this morning, a very warm welcome to you. It's just wonderful to have you here with us today. And uh, I also just want to take a moment to acknowledge those um, who may be celebrating Christmas today for the first time without a loved one with them. Uh, just mindful that Christmas can be a difficult time, as well as a time of great joy and, uh, and hope. Well, as many of you would know, our little son, uh, Daniel, I should for the benefit of uh, our guests here this morning, Ron, my wife and I, uh, recently, about eight weeks ago, welcomed a new little baby boy into our family, Daniel. Uh, and shortly after he was born, about a week after, uh, I think I'm going to use this handheld mic here, just give me a moment, folks. Two, two, one, two, two, two. 
Daniel online. And I was alarmed to, uh, to learn that you can now register a child on an app on your mobile phone. And uh, I thought to myself, well, how different is this to the census that was taking place when Mary and Joseph journeyed all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Uh, to register. I thought, wow, how far we have come in this modern day and age. But as I was going through the series of questions about Daniel's birth, I was sadly alarmed to read this question. Was the child stillborn? And I paused for a moment and grieved over the fact that some parents would have to say yes to this most tragic of questions. And as the survey continued, another question arose that saddened my heart, and it was along the lines of other parents separated. Again, I was taken aback by the fact that some parents would answer yes to this question in this context. Now, death and separation are commonplace. But what saddened me was the, was the reality that my innocent, one-week-old son was being born into a world where death and separation are realities from the very moment they're born. A world of darkness. Surely this is not how things were meant to be. The next morning, as I drove home from dropping Brendan and Andrew at school and preschool respectively, I trailed behind a car with a well-known saying on the bumper sticker, such is life. And my mind went straight to the stillborn child and separated parents. And I felt sad that the way many people have come to terms with the darkness of the world we live in is to accept that things are the way they are. That brokenness, fractured relationships, unresolved conflict, ongoing resentment, violence, deep sorrow, disappointment, sadness and loss can somehow be reconciled with this passive phrase. On a much smaller scale, during my time off, my paternity leave, I was able to pay attention to a few of those classic back burner repair items around the house. Many of you know what I'm referring to. And it's only when you get a little bit of time off that you can give attention to them. Uh, but, but this also, for me, was a tangible demonstration of the, the reality of the brokenness that we live in. We live amongst broken things, whether it's our car that we drive and something needs to be fixed, whether it's something in the house that needs to be repaired, whether it's a broken relationship, uh, whatever it might be, whether our financial situation is, is broken, we exist in a broken reality. And uh, no matter how many times we patch things up and restore and try and repair things, something else breaks, doesn't it? There's always something that's broken that needs attention in our lives. And I guess this just reinforced to me uh, the fact that we live in a broken world. Now, whilst a phrase like such is life admittedly has its place and, in fact, at times can be helpful for us dealing with the reality of the dark and sinful world that we find ourselves in, I'm not satisfied with this response 
in relation to death, especially the death of an infant. I'm not satisfied with the phrase, such is life, for the fact that children have to grow up in a broken home. Uh, I'm not satisfied with such is life for the fact that uh, homeless people live in the same suburb as millionaires. I'm not satisfied with such is life for the number of countless infant mortalities there are on a daily basis due to poor nutrition and health and, uh, and, um, and medication. I'm not satisfied with such is life for victims of violence or any abuse of any nature. I'm not satisfied with such is life for corporate corruption that makes the rich richer and the poor poorer. I'm not satisfied with such is life for all the darkness that I see around me and hear on the radio or the news on almost a daily basis. I'm not satisfied with a such is life world. And neither was God. And that is why one night in a small, obscure Middle Eastern town, some 2,000 years ago, a child was born. A saviour called Jesus Christ. He came and light broke into the darkness because God was not satisfied with such is life. It was never God's plan or design for darkness to prevail and for phrases like such is life to exist. The life that God offers through Jesus is a life of abundant hope in a new world that God is in the process of recreating. A world where the light shines so brightly that darkness is completely and utterly eradicated. Light changes everything. I love light. I love natural light, particularly on sunny days. And I absolutely attest to the fact that my mood is different on a gloomy, overcast day to what it is on a bright, sunny, warm day. I love homes with lots of natural light, with rooms that are full of light, with wall-to-ceiling glass walls. Whenever I come downstairs in the morning, the first thing I do is open the blinds and let the light in. There's something universally appealing about light, isn't there? The Bible speaks a lot about light, both figuratively, spiritually, and physically. In fact, right at the beginning of creation, as recorded in Genesis, the first book in the Bible, we are told that there existed the heavens and the earth, but at that time, now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the surface of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. This was day one of creation. And I find it fascinating, the very first thing, according to the scriptures, that God said was, let there be light. And light broke into darkness. Why was light the very first thing that God spoke into creation? Well, it's because light produces energy. And energy is necessary for all forms of life. When God created light, it was ready to give energy and life to all the plants and animals and humanity that God would subsequently go on to create. Light is one of those things that we become so easily accustomed to that we take it for granted. 
Aside from the fact that light is necessary for growth and survival, think about all the hazards that are avoided because of light. Imagine how different our evenings at home would be if we had no light. In fact, many of us here don't have to imagine that. We experienced it uh, in April this year, didn't we? But, you know, many of us at least had candles when that blackout came. But imagine driving. How dangerous it would be without headlights. Think of... uh, But light not only gives illumination, it also gives warmth, doesn't it? Think about the warm ambience of a fireplace or a candlelit room. Chicken eggs are placed under bright lights to keep them warm until the chick hatches. Lighthouses are used to guide and lead ships safely into their port. Traffic lights bring order into what would otherwise be chaos. Light is so necessary, we honestly cannot imagine life without it. Light changes everything. In the years leading up to the birth of Jesus, the world wasn't a happy place. There was a lot of unrest and there was a lot of poverty. Two out of three people were slaves. In many quarters of Caesar's empire, the economic situation had reached a point of crisis. Also at that time, the world was sinking, spiralling into moral decay. It was also the same in Palestine, the disastrous aftermath of war. Uh, The heavy taxes from Herod the Great, the overgrowing population that placed um, a difficulty on there being enough food to provide for all the people. It was a difficult time. There was a sense that darkness was prevailing. It was a time full of anxiety and there wasn't a lot of hope around. If available, there would have been a lot of such is life stickers going around at that time. Then for a few people, And then a few more. And then for many more, something radically changed. An angel appeared to a young unmarried man and said, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the prophet had said. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Then when the time came, Luke said, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. What does all this mean? We read in John chapter 1, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus, who is the light of the world, stepped down into the darkness to save us. God the Son came to be with us, giving us light and direction out from the darkness. Colossians 1, 12-13 talks about how Jesus came and rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light. Jesus came that first Christmas with Easter in mind. At Calvary, Jesus rescued those who believe in him from An eternal destiny, an eternal destiny in darkness separated from God to an eternity in the light of heaven with God. Light changes everything. Very soon after the birth of Jesus, we are introduced to some shepherds who were living on the fields just near Bethlehem. 
We are told they were watching their sheep. That was their profession, guarding and protecting their sheep from predators at night and leading them to green pasture during the day. Then something amazing happened. We are told in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. No wonder they were terrified. What shone around them was an amazing light. God's light was literally radiating around these shepherds. Many scholars suggest that this was the Shekinah glory of God. Shekinah is a Hebrew word which means to settle or dwell. A Shekinah experience is where, by means of an amazing light, God dwells and radiates with splendour and glory. A Shekinah enveloped Jesus when he was transfigured on the mountain. And these shepherds had heard many times of the Shekinah experience of the burning bush back in the day of Moses. And the light, the fire that led the Hebrews through the desert. Now these shepherds, these socially outcast people, were experiencing this very Shekinah presence of God themselves. The radiance of God surrounded them. No wonder they were afraid. Stuff like this didn't happen to them. The angel reassured them not to be afraid by saying, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. After they left and visited the baby Jesus, the light of the world, they started telling everyone about Jesus. And all who heard were amazed. And even when they returned to their fields, they couldn't stop praising God. Light changes everything. The light of God broke into the shepherd's world and changed everything for them. Many years later, when Jesus had grown up and was a man, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus, the light of the world, came to radiate hope in the midst of despair and corruption and cruelty, he came to bring justice. He came to shower peace in the turmoil of violence, to offer reconciliation and restoration in the presence of dysfunction and brokenness, to rewrite people's story from such is life to I am the resurrection and the life. In Matthew's Gospel, Jesus goes on to then give his followers an instruction about being light. He said, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The light of Jesus today is to be seen through the lives of his followers. The message of the Christian faith is a message of great light, a message of great hope. Through his Holy Spirit and the ministry of his people, God is at work refashioning this world to its former glory. And eventually he will create an entirely new world. The role of his followers today is to offer people glimpses and foretastes 
of this world where phrases like such is life don't exist because it is a world free of pain and disappointment and disease and illness and brokenness and death. It is a world where God's kingdom reigns. It is a world free of darkness because God's light has broken in completely and changed everything. Do you know Jesus? Have you experienced the transformative power of his light breaking in to your darkness? Christmas is indeed good news of great joy. It's about the light of the world stepping into the darkness and providing hope. Humbly, Jesus came to rescue us. Now, he invites those who follow him to go and make a difference in the world, to radiate his light to those around him, to those around us. May his light shine brightly because the light of the world has come and light changes everything. I invite you to pray with me. Emmanuel, God with us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came into the darkness. You came. You came to minister light and life and hope and restoration and forgiveness and mercy and justice. Things that our souls and our hearts and our world longs for. Father, today I want to thank you that you came. I want to pray, Father, for those who perhaps haven't experienced the light of Jesus in their lives. That you might touch them by your Holy Spirit and help them to experience the light of Christ. I want to pray for those who do follow you, Lord, that we might put the batteries in and switch the torch on and get serious and fed income about being a light in this dark world about offering people foretastes of hope and grace and generosity and forgiveness and peace, even in the midst of hatred and violence and corruption. Lord, thank you that you are here with us. And I pray for each person here today, that they may leave having known that they met with you and that your presence was here and that your light changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.